0: I'm Rachel Perkins, and you're listening to the Nordic Nation podcast from Faster Skier. In this episode, we have U.S. Ski Team members Hannah Halverson and Haley Swerble, along with development coach Kate Barton. The original idea behind this conversation was to discuss a variety of challenges female athletes of all levels experience during their careers. This was based on an infographic posted by the organization Voice in Sport, which you can find in our show notes. As the conversation evolved, it became clear that this will resonate with athletes of all genders, ages, and levels of competition. From social media, to pressure, to balance, and competition between teammates, these women shared powerful insights into their lives as athletes and coaches at the highest level of our sport. Before we jump in, a quick message from our first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Concept2 and the Concept2 SkiErg. Concept2 is the designer and manufacturer of the SkiErg, a training tool for Nordic skiing and for general fitness. Located in north-central Vermont, the Concept2 family rows in the summer and skis in the winter. The SkiErg grew out of the time-tested design of the Concept2 rowing machine. As dedicated skiers, we know this much is true. It's not always easy to get out on snow in the winter, or out on roller skis for that matter, in the summer. The SkiErg is a perfect dryland training option for skiers or anybody looking to improve their fitness. The second generation SkiErg allows for single stick and double poling Take your skiing and upper body conditioning to a new level with a SkiErg. You can find more information about SkiErgs and their PM5 performance monitors at concept2.com. That's all for now, let's get into the conversation. First of all, thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this. Um you're obviously 2 days away from from World Cup racing and uh yeah, I think um just making time for this is is I really appreciate. Um to get started, I'm hoping you can kind of introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about just how you got into skiing and and kind of what it looked like when you first were identified as somebody that that had potential um in sport in terms of just your your success. Um and, and what did that recognition mean to you in terms of like, did it influence your feelings about yourself and about skiing more broadly? So Hannah, do you want
1: to sure. take the lead on that? My name is Hannah Halverson. I <clears throat> am born and raised in Truckee, California. I now ski with APU and I'm a member of the national team. I'm on the development team. I have been skiing my whole life. My parents, when they moved to Truckee, Just loved getting out. They weren't racers. They just liked being outside. So when I was about two, I was on skis. And then I started racing when I was in middle school for the middle school team locally, and then kind of joined the region, uh, what's it called, like the development team. So you can qualify for junior nationals and stuff after that. And I was decent, but not like a standout. So I don't really remember identifying as a future champion. I just remember <laughs> enjoying it. And I, I played a lot of sports. So when I started racing, I was still doing tennis, soccer, alpine racing, triathlons. So it's just like one of the things I did. And I, I liked to compete. Haley? Yeah, I am. Oh, go ahead.
0: Uh, I was just gonna say what's I guess a little unique with Haley is like I, I was there for that piece of your life maybe a little bit like just having met you I think you were about 14 when I met you I think you were a freshman in high school um just with the AVSC program and and I can kind of remember like the buzz among the team of like oh Haley's like Haley's going places like Haley's you know Haley's a big deal and um yeah, so I'm kind of just curious what that was like from from
2: your side. That is, that's really interesting because I, I don't know if I was aware of that buzz. That's I think what I definitely thought about other people that I competed against more than myself, like, kind of seeing that in them, like Hannah, actually at that age, like I was like, oh crap, I gotta be like scared of this girl. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think definitely. That being said, like I definitely was aware of it on some level because getting that validation from the external world was motivating for me. And I think that's actually been kind of a struggle for me as I've gotten older, is kind of like learning how to find that motivation from within more than only from the outside world and the people that are like giving you attention for it. So I think, yeah, around that age in high school. Um, when I would consistently do well in the, in the Rocky mountain Nordic races and stuff the the series for junior nationals is kind of that time where I I realized I could go somewhere. I think
0: Kate, what did your entry to sport look like and how did that progress?
3: (laughs) Well, I never made it, but,
0: uh, (laughs) I have been,
3: um, coaching for, 10 years now which is crazy to think about full-time and um I grew up skiing I grew up racing um I was very into a lot of different sports um ended up playing many sports you know a different one every season and then even all the way through college I still competed in two sports one of which was skiing of course and I was a pretty average racer but um I guess skiing has just always been important to me and I've loved it. And, um, I didn't want to continue pursuing racing. Um, if I even had had that opportunity, I wasn't that strong of a racer, but, um, I wanted to stay in the sport. So that's how I got into coaching. And then I guess I've just loved it ever since.
0: Um, be- before we get into some of these other topics, um, I'm hoping you guys can kind of paint the picture in Ruka in terms of, you know, you're you're racing in two days. Um, Hannah, I saw your post about kind of like just those pre-race jitters. Um, so I'm hoping you can kind of just talk about how you're feeling and what conditions are like and and just kind of how the energy is on the team at this point.
1: Yeah, I can start. I feel personally that I get most nervous for the first race of the season if you're having a race week like junior nationals or senior nationals the first race i'm always the most nervous and regardless of how it goes i i could have a horrible race i won't be as nervous for the next weekend so i'm i'm pretty nervous right now i don't know what to expect i don't know exactly why i'm so nervous because i it's not even just results it's just particularly the first race. It's a, a lot. So I feel, um, fine when I'm doing things, when I'm out training, I feel fine or with my teammates, but the second I stop doing something and I'm trying to lay in bed or trying to relax, I immediately like my hands shake a little bit and I have a stomach ache and a headache and hard for me to eat food. Um, but that is, that is all, like, actually, I'm done. I, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> no,
2: that's definitely interesting. Well, I'm going to just jump in. But that's definitely, I think, really applicable to, like, a lot of us. Because I think cross-country skiing attracts an anxious type of person a lot of the times, is what I've noticed, especially for myself. Where, like, doing, getting that first initial, like, fright out of the way is so hard. and important though because it gets better once you realize to your like once you convince yourself that oh wait nothing actually bad happens to me if no matter what happens out there like you're not like physically gonna be hurt if you do bad you know so um no i
1: i relate to that too yeah i was gonna jump in and say the nerves more than just result focus for me are this instinctual sense of threat and so, once you race once, you realize you have the threat in perspective. It's a ski race. Mm-hmm. Your your teammates, your coaches, your family aren't going to feel different about you, regardless of how you do. You're not actually threatened in real, like a survival way, but your body doesn't necessarily pick up on that yeah. before you have a race. <laughs> I agree.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, how did the uh, the TikTok come about in terms of? <laughs> Team team energy and, and uh nervous energy management.
2: Dance it out. Dance it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because that our team definitely has the reputation of like doing things like that. So it's kind of like the so honestly, I just got a TikTok because I am seeing how it can grow social media following because it's like a hugely growing platform and I saw that a trend. So I was like, let's do this. And then people wanted to do it and it was fun, but it wasn't really like a outlet. I'm, that's probably not the answer people want to hear, but uh, it definitely is fun to like connect with the team to me and get to do something that's just kind of silly. What did you think?
1: Yes. I feel like that's the right answer. It wasn't like, let's do this as an outlet for our nerves, but it ended up being that Being that, yeah. like, I felt happier. And freer than I had felt before I did it Mm -hmm, yeah so it was it was a good little thing to do and to move that perspective away from racing for a second but I didn't go in thinking Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna do this for my mental health (laughs) I did
0: (laughs) (laughs) well at least it worked out I guess (laughs) um Kate I want to ask you about um just kind of your perspective, as you know, you you mentioned you've been coaching for ten years, um, and I think that's been kind of across just the junior level, um, the college level, and then you were an athlete through college, I believe yourself. Um, and during that time, you know, I I think the the bar has been kind of raised in terms of like what's expected at the at the junior level and just the success at all levels. Um, and so as you kind of reflect on, on that experience, um, just as, as an athlete and as a coach, are there differences in terms of what you notice, um, with, with just the challenges that athletes are faced with now versus earlier in your career?
3: Yeah, I guess if I had to identify one change, I think the biggest one is just the amount of information that is shared and accessible to everyone. All the time. Um, I think, um, I do think competition is increasing because I think talent identification is getting better. Um, and I think that relates back to the sharing of information. Um, I mean, I'm dating myself here, but like Strava and Instagram and TikTok, I graduated college before those were around. <laughs> so, like, it's just it's a different world, and um, I think that as far as the systems in the U.S., like that talent identification is more public. There's now a system. Hmm. There's REG and NEG and NTG and and eventually the US ski team, and everyone knows who's who. And and not just like everyone knows who's who, but everyone can see what they're up to. I mean, on a daily basis, it's kind of crazy when you stop to think about it. And I think there are these clearly defined structures or opportunities now like training camps and racing trips that um, not too long ago were not staffed or supported at the same level. Thank you NNF and everybody give to the drive for 25. Um, But if athletes wanna focus on skiing earlier, there's a support system in place and a path for them to follow from the junior level all the way up. And I think that also goes back to the strength of our our clubs and the growing strength of our ski communities, um, all over the U S. I guess other things I think about are like, you can turn on and watch a ski race live, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And you can learn a lot from doing that. And then I also, um, definitely credit this generation and all, I guess all the generations before them in the same way for like, but especially these guys making it look fun. Like they're having they're having fun and they're they're making it look fun. So so people want to do it and then all of a sudden these barriers are broken and what is possible is expanded and I don't know, it's dominoes from there, but um if you start to believe you can do it, eventually you probably can and I'm guessing these guys um started to believe in that like soho relay medal before it happened and for sure there were people behind them that believed in it and then it happened and that barrier was broken and then gus broke another barrier and you know keegan and newell and i shouldn't say names because i'll forget somebody but um <laughs> yeah over time it's like it's been a cool journey i think for us skiing
0: yeah Getting into some of these um, topics, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just um, pressure and handling pressure, and just that that impact on mental health, kind of all the way from um, you know really just open in terms of whether that's when you were a junior, or kind of how that's evolved um, through your through your time as an athlete. Um, and Haley, we we had a conversation earlier this fall. Just um, you shared this quote. That um somebody had shared with you that was uh there's no greater burden on a child than the unlived life of a parent and i I kind of think that that means um more than just parents you know there's certainly like helicopter parents in sports and things like that and um and and academics in all different areas, but um I think also there's sort of like pressure from coaches who maybe want their athlete to succeed because of either their own unlived dreams or just the the positive reflection that that brings to the program um, or even, you know, people who are f- sort of following vicariously through social media. Um, and I'm just curious if you can talk about just how you kind of perceive these pressures and and how that affects your enjoyment of the process or, or just the lifestyle of what's required to make it as a, a top level
2: cross country skier. Yeah. Thanks for that. And the, That quote that you shared that I earlier shared with you definitely like left an impact on me. I think I interpret it the same way that you talked about that that encompasses more than a parent, though that quote talks about that in specific. Um, Kind of as I talked about earlier, like with the whole pressures and that external attention type of thing that really motivated me when I was younger, I think that's where a lot of that came from is is my sense that like, I am kind of carrying this torch for someone who can't. And I think like, I'm not, I'm not (laughs) going to lie. Like you can't ski forever. So thinking about life after skiing is, is a lot of, um, or thinking about, I don't know the time period of when that comes for me, whether it's soon or whether it's later, making sure like, I don't leave with regret Uh, gets told to me a lot so I think from even loved ones or ones that have really great intentions for me and want me to truly be happy I feel a little bit of like this pressure that well like it, it all looks so great and I found it kind of interesting what Kate was saying that like it totally looks fun and it is really fun a lot of the times but there are some pretty freaking hard things about this lifestyle for me at least I can't speak for everyone but yeah, that's definitely a hard one for me is having that external pressure that maybe isn't even totally real, but it's something that, that I feel like is real to me. So yeah, I don't know. That's, it's, it's such a good, good point, And that's definitely affected me a lot, but I'm kind of trying to work it out still is, is how to change that to be motivating to, to try to achieve my highest level and like, do this, do this for me more than kind of do it because so many people have invested in me and granted I want to do it for them too because they have invested and I've gotten so much support and I'm so lucky to have these opportunities because of a lot of other people that have helped me get here but uh, it, it takes a lot and I think that only can motivate me for so long without without needing a little more right. for myself.
0: Do you feel that there's been any shifts in the type of pressure that you've felt now versus when you were younger? Like, is it now that you're on the world cup, is it a different type of pressure, a different level of pressure than you maybe felt in your earlier days?
2: I think so. I think it's just gotten a lot greater. It's, it's almost easier in my opinion to be chasing the goal than to achieve it because once you're at a level, that's where people expect you to be. So once you have a world cup podium, whether a full field or not a full field. Like that's what I get asked a lot now is like, are you expecting to get podiums regularly? And I'm like, I have no freaking idea that that day came together really perfectly for me. And like, that doesn't happen all the time. So I think only allowing yourself to feel accomplished or to feel joy or to feel successful when like that, when you, past the top level that you've reached is a really hard way to go because there's so many things out of your control. So I've definitely felt that kind of pressure more is just like the more you achieve, the greater the expectations on myself from myself and what I feel like from fans or supporters or anyone like my brother, for example. Uh, now they see you can do it. So it's hard to, to not try to get there.
0: Yeah. Hannah or Kate, do you have other thoughts on that
1: yeah it is such a good conversation and I so many things that Haley is saying I want to respond to individually but I think a good takeaway for me for me in general is how sports can be the pressure isn't just about results the pressure is maybe a feeling of being misunderstood but expect but people feeling like they know you. So we have this idea of what an athlete is, what they think like, how they are and what they're wired. And it comes from movies, media, and we are expected kind of to fill that to an extent. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to write on Instagram that I hate being here and my life sucks because people are supporting me to be here. Now, I don't feel that way, but (laughs) it's expected that I am smiley and I'm doing TikTok dance videos and I love all my teammates and all I want is to win ski races and I just can't wait to race. And a lot of that is true. I'm not contradicting that, but there's an expectation that people know who you are because, because they've seen like um, Coach Carter or something. I don't know. Like they, everyone thinks they know what an athlete is and fulfilling that role to me, is part of the pressure. It's it's not just to keep performing. That's and a good point. I think also pressure can come from receiving feedback for success and then receiving nothing when you don't succeed. People aren't necessarily being mean to me if I don't do well, but the difference is so dramatic yes. that it's hard to not make those associations. And I I think of a small child, if they're praised every time they do something well, and then when they fail to do it, no one criticizes criticizes them, but they just don't get any attention. The child starts to associate success with praise, with love, with affection, and sports are that way to an extent. When I do well, I get so many messages on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Everyone's calling me and texting me and telling me how much they love me and they believe in me and they're happy for me. And when I don't do well, I just get nothing. And so that creates an association (laughs) with self-worth and results. And it's undeniable. And I understand that's part of being an athlete. So it's it's part of the job, but how, how does that affect you on a personal level when people reach out to tell you how much they are happy for you and they love you when you have a certain result. And I don't really get much from anyone besides like my good friends and my mom. When, when I get middle of the road results. Yeah. And then- yeah. We just
0: end there. Yeah. Um, yeah
1: no. <laughs> conversation
0: yeah. over. Yeah. I I think that's, that's such a good point. And I, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys sharing your perspectives here. And I think, um you know, just, I really think about younger athletes with some of this stuff. Like you guys are obviously not old by any means, but you, you know, are more mature and you have had more time to kind of like work through some of these things. And I think it's, it can be really challenging, um, really for anybody, but I think especially for, um, maybe younger athletes who are just learning how to cope with some of these things. Um, but that's, yeah, an incredible perspective. Um, and I also wanted to ask you about pressure in terms of um, just coming back from your injuries in terms of uh, when you, you know, I, th- I think early when you're coming back from something of that magnitude, obviously, I, I don't have that perspective, but I can imagine um, that it would be easy to kind of celebrate small victories at the beginning. Like when you're early in that process, it's like, oh, you know, I, I took my first steps again. I can walk again. Um, whereas when you get a little later in the process and I'm, I'm sort of thinking about maybe last year, um, it it could probably feel a little bit harder to be patient and not want to be back to where you were before that accident. Um, and I'm curious if you can kind of talk about that in terms of whether that's pressure that you're putting on yourself or just like um that that patience or what it's like to kind of to handle that um especially as you're kind of re-entering the world cup and maybe coming in um knowing that you might be in a different place than you had been previously and, and just what that was like for you
1: yeah I I think that hits on a lot of these things for me because and I'm sure a lot of people who go through something hard have experienced a similar journey where right at first everyone gives you a lot of support and a lot of attention and that's not bad but it's almost like you almost take it for granted I all I'm expected to do is like sit on my couch and be in pain (laughs) but like I'm in pain all the time but I'm not like expected to uh, make the b team and then when it's you're not really like a hot topic in the media anymore. Now I'm expected to on myself maybe. I'm expecting myself like last year to make the B team and that's kind of old news. It's like oh yeah you got hit by a car a year ago like that's we're <laughs> over that. There's a new hot thing in the media and it's not over for me. I missed an entire year of training. It's severely affecting how well I can race and who I am and where I'm at in life but it's kind of over in terms of like the story. And so I feel like I need to just go back to normal. Like I need to be at the same timing as the story. And that's not realistic because I am still like recovering from this injury. And so I feel like that was actually the hardest point for me was maybe getting back into being able to do everything because you don't have automatic like tons of people asking you and giving you the support you need to start asking for help when you need it people aren't just reaching out anymore they'll answer if you call but you have to start doing that and that drop in attention was really jarring (laughs) because I had gotten used to like when I the first year I was hurt like one teammate a week would call me from the road to check in um and then (laughs) once you go back to normal, like you're still struggling because you're human and everyone is struggling and that isn't there anymore. You you need to go back to getting what you, figuring out what you need for yourself. I kind of ran on there, but
2: that was was the hardest part, actually. Yeah.
0: Can you talk about just um, your own expectations for yourself when you did start racing again? Like, was that hard uh, just kind of knowing that, um what you had been through and and that sort of maybe a little having a little bit less support um and just going into racing again like was it challenging to kind of set expectations for yourself and and kind of reflect on those races
1: or yeah I think I would start with saying like I don't want uh this to come across as if the problem with my injury was I didn't get enough support because it seems like I'm blaming people and I got an overwhelming amount I think More the point I want to hit on is I had this expectation to live out almost like Haley's quote, like live out the story of the injured athlete who made it back. And it hadn't even happened yet, but I understood that to be my identity now. And it's different to like relearn to walk, than make the B team fully healthy. People are trying to do that and not able to, and that in my head was what I needed to do to live, to be that story that was now my identity. And I couldn't, I I didn't do it. And it turned out to be fine, but I felt this need to finish that story because that was like what was exciting and inspiring for people.
0: How are you feeling about that this year?
1: I feel a lot more comfortable this year because I feel like I'm back to just normal me as far as my identity. I'm not the injured athlete. The, and also, I feel like I've been able to train this year. So that I think is kind of my past, but it's definitely given me some perspective. Um, I think want, feeling like I had to make the B team and then not making it and realizing I'm okay financially, that's a bummer, but I'm okay has kind of grounded me in a way that I feel way less nervous about going for that goal this year.
0: Another topic I wanted to get into um, was just finding balance between um, social life and and kind of things outside of skiing that fill your cup with your training and racing. Um, And Kate, I'm hoping you can kind of speak to, um, you know, when you're working with some of these development level athletes um, and they're... There, what, are the, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing in terms of as kids are making some of these transitions, whether that's high school to college or college to post-collegiate? Um, when it comes to kind of finding that balance and, and sort of understanding what that lifestyle looks like and just how to kind of navigate that for their own unique kind of needs and, and personality, um, yeah, what are, what are some of the challenges that you see kids facing with that, that balance?
3: It's a good question thinking of or i guess listening to you guys talk and makes me think of this uh saying like talent equalizes at the top it just gets harder and harder and i think mental abilities become more and more important but it's really easy to forget that and think everybody's made it and they're fine because they've progressed um as far as balance i think this like train eat sleep mentality it, it puts a lot of pressure on athletes I think um competitions become sort of this like all or nothing success or failure and and that's risky in itself if that's all you have um and I definitely think you know thinking of junior athletes I've worked with you know and now my experience um growing with working with these guys, I think the balance definitely shifts as you develop and progress. I think, um, as you start to achieve success, you're, you're like on time, you the amount of the cup that's filled with that ski mindset, it, it increases. And it, it might even become like a really significant portion of your day-to-day life, um, between fueling and training and recovery and, and all the things that these guys have to do to compete with the best in the world. but. Um, I guess from my perspective as a coach, I I think you have to be focused and really focused during skiing and ski related things for sure. And that standard is like really high and we can always be better and we're always trying to be better. Um, But I also really hope and expect that athletes, you know, have the ability to turn off that skiing switch sometimes and, and have even if it's five minutes, like an, another focus, um, every day. And, and no doubt there are like, there are ski workouts that the best thing you can do is like walk around in the woods on classic skis in fresh snow with your best friends or not your best friends, your teammates, whatever. And just like chat. Um, but there are also days and, and there are more of these days, I think, as you progress where, um, the goal involves something different and it's specific and it's focused. And in order to improve, which gets harder and harder to do, um, you have to be able to tell the difference between those two workouts and you do have to put in a lot of focused time. And sometimes it's a grind, and that's the reality. <laughs> but there are other days that are really fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, Haley, maybe I'll go to you on this. Uh, what does this look like for you in terms of um, what are some ways that you try to find that balance between you know your, your ski career and things outside of skiing that make you happy and make you, you who you are? And how does that shift between summer training when you're based in Anchorage versus when you're on the road with your team in that really like World Cup environment for several months at a time?
2: a good question and had really good points too I would like to start off by saying that I haven't totally figured it out honestly and I think that's definitely part of the journey is learning who you are and learning like what your identity is and what you want it to be in skiing and beyond I think during the summer especially this summer as I've gotten older I've almost tried to push the identity of only being a one-dimensional Nordic skier away in a sense because I want people to see me as more than just that and realize that I'm a person and that I have other interests and other problems and other things going on that I think are also like really important in life too. Um with that being said that that's a tough sell. <laughs> that's tough to sell to the media or to people or whatever. So I've kind of noticed that while I'm on the road and surrounded by the mindset of skiing all the time, I definitely like shift a little bit more into being more of like a 24 hour athlete type of person uh, because you're surrounded by it. And it's, it's, it's easy to fall into that and probably good during race season in some ways to fall into that. I've definitely struggled with mental health throughout this season in the past, like with combined darkness, being away from home, just like not really having independence or like control over where you're going when, or what you're eating most of the time, or what's really going on in your life. You kind of have to fall, fall into place there. So uh, that's always been a difficult thing for me that I've worked really hard on throughout the last year to kind of get ready for this year. But I've think i always had school my my whole life, too, to provide a little bit of balance and a little bit of, I don't know, well-roundedness in the sense that, like, if a race doesn't go well for me, it's okay because I know I have other things that I also value going on in life, and school doesn't only feel that, but um, that's been an important strategy for me. I graduate in two weeks, so I'll have to fill some voids elsewhere. how about you for
1: you Hannah what does that look like for you yeah I feel like my defin. I've been trying to figure out the definition of this term that has become quite popular finding balance <laughs> in not just skiing just in social media I see it a lot like finding balance is really important and I've been trying to figure out exactly what that means and Myself and a lot of skiers are kind of busy people. So to me, my first understanding of finding balance meant that I needed to have another like cool hobby because then I wouldn't be just a skier. I also needed to be into pottery or rock climbing or something. And that sounds awful to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted from skiing and school and I like downtime. So... I didn't understand why like to be balanced and I needed to add more into my life. Like I'm already giving as much focus, physical and mental energy as I have. And I've shifted more to thinking that what people are talking about when they say balance is a balance in the different things that fill up how you value yourself. And skiing can be one of those things, but you need to be able to value yourself by other things too. And that might be by how I am like with my friends and with my family, the type of person I am, the things that I care about. Skiing is just one of those things that I tend to. And that maybe is what they're saying because then if I'm not skiing well, my entire self-worth doesn't crash because my self-worth as a good friend or a good sibling is still the same. And that's more where I've been leaning with it than maybe it's just because I don't, I don't really have any hobbies outside of skiing at this point in my life. That's really cool of you,
2: though, to like, I really like that perspective, because I think a lot of people are saying when they say like finding balance, they don't look at it that deeply, which I wish people would more, maybe. Yes. And kind of be like, well, balance is like the skiing cup, the school cup, and having friends or like the ski school Mm -hmm. social the three s's or whatever it's kind of what i was raised to like think of as balance but like what about self-care as an s why don't we (laughs) throw that in there or like like sleep you know like yes you're totally right that it should be more about just like
1: finding a sustainable way to live too yeah i think we as a society focus on the tangible things because that's more comfortable to talk about like we focus on yoga is a form of self-care, but why yoga can be self-care is what it does to you mentally and physically. It's not exactly yoga itself. You can do yoga and have no self-care benefit if you don't (laughs) have the right perspective on it. And I, I think that maybe is exactly it. Like those, I'm not contradicting, like if someone's balance comes from rock climbing, it's just, they get something mentally from rock climbing that makes them have balance. It's not rock climbing in itself.
2: Good point.
0: A quick interruption to thank our second sponsor, the Alberta World Cup. To all Masters skiers out there, the Rocky Mountains of Canada and the Masters World Cup 2022 are calling. This coming March, Masters skiers from around the world will come together in Canmore, Alberta to celebrate a shared passion for cross-country skiing. This event will be a great opportunity to race in Canmore at the world-renowned Canmore Nordic Center Provincial Park. Go to mwc2022.com for details. There, you can find COVID plan information and airline and rental car promotions. Register before December 31st to get a free pair of commemorative socks. Now back to the episode. The next kind of bigger topic that I want to talk about is is body image and social media, um, which is huge, and we could probably do a, an entire podcast on that, um, but Hannah, I'm I'm kind of hoping you can you can start us off here um mostly because you you wrote a piece for Faster Skier a couple years ago now I think uh, maybe it was last year where you you said you know I don't have a six pack but I got hit by a car and I survived. Um and I I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to just your how your uh how your relationship with body image has affected you and how that relationship has changed over the years.
1: Yeah. I think that it's, body image is a journey. (laughs) Um, And with that, you grow and become more mature. So it's different than when I was in high school. Overall, I have a much healthier sense of body image than I did then, but that doesn't mean that every day just gets happier, even if the trend's going up. I have some days where I feel worse about myself and some days where I feel neutral and some days where I feel really good regardless of how I actually look. It's just, it's just a mental thing that I struggle with. And it's an interesting topic because I want to bring it up and talk about it because I think that I'm not alone. And I know that I'm not alone because I've talked to people about it, but I feel uncomfortable almost making myself a a spokesperson because I don't have the answer because I, I still struggle all the time with it. I, I know not to act on it in unhealthy ways. And I know that that will make, like, I can see it through. If I were to try to eat less or do something unhealthy, I see that that won't work. It won't make me happier. I'll just, there'll be these consequences, but that doesn't mean I have solved the problem of feeling good about myself. Haley, do you have something more to add? That is so
2: well put that the idea of body image is not something that ever goes away. Like you said, it's, Hannah, it's totally a journey forever. And I think, I mean, even like my mom still struggles with it, you know, like, I don't know if that ever goes away. It's definitely more apparent. Not maybe more apparent, but it is very apparent in the ski world for me because we're constantly seeing athletes that have like 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 have their bodies in the best form that they can for sport, and having like your your body be in really great shape is like part of our sport, I think, and um, that can be hard to see all the time. Is is like oh well, I don't have as much strength or I have fatter thighs or like I don't have as good of abs like I see it every day like I think about it every day compare it with my teammates that are like wearing their towel to go shower like it's hard it's impossible not to um just kind of be in that comparative mindset in a way like kind of like Hannah I think I've gone through some tougher times where I didn't put the reins on myself and allowed myself to act on some of those thoughts and not fuel myself the way that my body needed fuel and not treat it how I would want anyone else to treat their bodies with kindness and generosity so I also know not to act on that but it it's impossible not to think about it daily yeah
0: and I really appreciate both of you saying that because I think it kind of normalizes it a little bit that it's, you know, I think with um, just thinking about female athletes more broadly, um, I think, you know, you, you kind of see these like ideals, kind of what you're, you're talking about in terms of like, yeah we're seeing some of the best athletes in the world on a regular basis and what those bodies look like. And it's hard not to compare yourself. And I think, you know, especially now with social media and some of these things, it's like for a younger athlete or Or just any athlete it doesn't even matter about their age necessarily, because like you're saying it is something that affects people at all ages, but um I think it can be hard it, yeah, that comparison is really hard um and it and it is something it's it's so easy to find examples to compare to um and I think it's you know even if it's not necessarily like here's an answer on how to solve your body image um problems or your relationship with your body. I think it's it's um, really powerful just to hear you guys talking about that, you know, it, it is a journey. It's not something we have figured out and that it's normal to feel that way. Um,
2: I'm, I'm, think, go ahead. I also think an important thing to note is that it doesn't have, like, even though it's a difficult thing and it is a journey that maybe won't ever go away, it doesn't have to like ruin my day or control my life like it once did. So that to me is like, The hope the shining light at the end of the tunnel is just like allowing this difficult thing to exist without letting it completely control you
1: yes i think that is so important to say is we're not saying never gets better you're gonna feel if you feel horrible about your body you always will it's (laughs) it's more that um it gets in perspective now it might be a, a fleeting thought but I still can enjoy my food. I can enjoy skiing. I'm not thinking about it all day, every day in a way that I can't even engage with my friends or my life. And it, it can, it can consume you. And there is a way out of feeling like that. And that is not by changing your body. It's mm-hmm. by taking care of your body and your mind. And then it won't consume you. Therapy. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um,
0: I want to talk about kind of why, why female athletes in particular, maybe are are more subject subjected to some of this messaging and Kate, I'm hoping from kind of a coach's perspective, you know, how, how can coaches maybe recognize some of this and, and foster just a, a healthy culture on their team and, and maybe support some of their female athletes with this topic?
3: I guess I'll start with a disclaimer that I, I am not an expert and, uh, I, um, all I can do is is share my experience. Um, but I I think it's an important topic and I I enjoy talking about it and, and listening to these guys talk about it. And I think, um, I think that's a really positive thing in itself. Um, I think as coaches, we can work really hard to value athletes for, for what they do and not how they look and, Goes so far as to not mention looks at all. Jessie, I know, has been very vocal about this to her credit. And um, I think that's really important. And I think asking questions and, and letting athletes communicate openly is so much more important than just sort of outwardly looking at an athlete and, and placing judgment on them for whatever reason. And And that, I think, also ties into you were asking about sort of that culture around the subject within a team. And I think
2: um,
3: it's important to create a judgment-free culture as hard as that is to do. And it's always a a work in progress, but um, it's easy to see an athlete or a teammate um, at a meal, and for example, and judge what they're eating. That's totally human, I think, Um, but it's also too, or i guess important to remember that that judgment doesn't it doesn't benefit me when i do it um and it doesn't benefit the person i'm i'm doing it to either um you don't know what someone has <laughs> has like for snacks in their room before they went to that meal you don't know what they're planning to eat after this is just an example but like you, you don't know what's going on in their life you don't know how they're feeling you just you don't always know the whole story so trying to remember that and if you see yourself going down the wrong path you know check yourself a little bit um, I think it helps everybody but I agree with these guys and I've been exposed you know of course only to one year on the World Cup but starting to learn a little more about the media and that platform and and I think um, for sure different forms of media are, are a problem because they you know they mix up this portrayal of women. Like how they look versus how they perform, and they should really just be focused on how they're performing. And I think us too as coaches. Um, but people are starting to talk more openly about this and the issues um, and how it relates to mental health. And I think you have to try to be happy in the skin you're in, and you mm-hmm. have to be healthy. But I, I'm also not naive. I, I mean, I was an athlete myself, and. I'm a woman and I, I live in this culture. And, um, if we blamed everything on that and the media, we wouldn't be focusing on how we could be better. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a work in progress, but, um, people are definitely starting to talk about it more and the openness of these athletes, I think makes a big difference. Yeah.
0: Um, do you feel like resources you know, maybe talks from a dietitian or, or nutrition education, does that help shift the focus away from appearance and, and body image on a team?
3: Yes, a- absolutely. I, th- I mean, I, I think resources are good, any resources. And, and I think that the best thing you can do as a coach is equip your athletes with as many tools as you can to help them stay healthy and be successful in this pursuit. Um, but it's obviously not that simple. So I, I think of like three main things, educate them, um, the good and the bad um, results of these kind of things, and then um, provide real scientific data and always relate it to performance because these guys wanna perform and that's easy for them to understand. Um, you can create checkpoints. There are objective measures. Um, and then you can be supportive Um, if you see something don't be afraid to speak up Um, you can do that in a safe and a private way and and also recognize when it's time to maybe call somebody else in because you don't know everything and you're not an expert and that's okay Um, I've never really regretted I for sure have never regretted having a conversation um, when I'm worried even if it's feels like the hardest thing in the world to have in the moment
0: the next thing I want to ask, and this maybe is more directed towards Haley and, and Hannah is, um, you know, I think as professional athletes, it almost seems like part of your job has become your social media, like personal brand, so to speak. Um, and sort of, uh, I, I think you've kind of spoken about this a little bit already. But, um, you know, I think I think social media now, it's, it's totally different than it was 10 years ago. And, and that's, um, can be a, really important for sponsorship um, and just sort of bringing in, you know, the, the money you need to support your career. And um, I'm just curious kind of what, what kind of mental space that occupies for you in terms of like, is that something that you think about in terms of just who, what I want my, my social media to look like and how I'm using social media? Um, and how do you kind of find a balance of, of what you want to share and what you want to keep to yourself?
1: Oh my gosh, what a (laughs) difficult issue. There's so many factors to consider. With first thinking about myself and how unsafe social media can feel. I notice it in the fact that I post very infrequently when I'm not feeling confident. And when things are going well for me and I'm feeling pretty comfortable in life, I post pretty regularly. I don't overthink it. I just Put it up. It's not always a big deal for me, but when I'm not doing as well, whether it's I'm not skiing as well or I'm just struggling in some way, it's really hard to post. And I feel like I'm supposed to keep the frequency the same. Like I'm supposed to be this robot who can always perform this this thing of like posting a certain amount. I haven't figured that out. I just stop posting when I'm not feeling good. And the other factor that I think about is how my post is being received and affecting the people who are looking at it. Because it's terrifying to me to imagine that something I post could make people feel the way social media sometimes makes me feel. (laughs) I just don't want to be part of that. Um, And so just not doing it at all, that's not solving the problem. So I'm thinking maybe there's a way to be on there in a positive way. But there's no way to know if I am. I might, I might be making people feel insecure with the way I post and that feels like a risk we take. So I haven't, I feel like I'm just going on. Did anything I say like, Swerve, you want to add? (laughs) I could, I don't know if I could put it any better.
2: Yeah. I guess my strategy more than to post infrequently is to just not post at all Uh, kind of what you were saying, but I think think you do a a good job of maintaining what's tough. Uh, Yeah, pretty much every single time I go on social media, I leave feeling worse about myself. And I just assume even if it's someone's positive post about skiing, like seeing someone post like how great, uh, how great their ski was or something, oftentimes will make me be like, wow, I had a crap ski today. So now I feel bad that should be a really positive thing to see or to take in. But I sometimes interpret that like as a painful thing for me, it's definitely a big fear of mine to imagine doing that to someone else without meaning to kind of like Hannah was saying, I imagine other people, other, I don't know, athletes or whoever's posting feel that way too. Sometimes when they, when they think about what they're doing or when they're on Instagram or social media themselves, yeah, I also haven't really figured it out. Um it's it's difficult I think to find a balance between being completely true to yourself and trying to show a little bit of an authentic side kind of in terms of your own personal brand. There's no brand truer than you. And there no no brand easier to be than your actual self in my opinion, but people don't always want to see that like what's consumable and what sells is a little bit different i've noticed than what i would like to put out or what i like to see so i'm trying to kind of figure out where i can fall between on that scale because it's a, quite a large range that uh is tricky to
1: balance for me oh my gosh that's what i think about every time it's like how do i make this authentic but also fit within that realm that People are comfortable with it. They can't have, what I realize is they can't have to think about it too long or they just won't involve themselves with it. It needs to be predictable and comfortable and shallow. It's social media. It's not a place of depth. So how do I infiltrate a little bit of depth without them almost noticing or they'll get uncomfortable and scroll away? And the other part, like the, not only posting, but looking at it myself is something I've noticed is the exact same post can have no effect on me or make me feel bad depending where I'm at. And seeing that is my responsibility. Instead of judging that person for what they posted because I'm in a stressed out mood, it's my responsibility to not be on social media during those times. And I thought about this yesterday because I was on Instagram and I started feeling nervous because I saw other World Cup athletes who were here and I felt my stomach immediately get tight. And I was like, this isn't a good time for me to be on social media. I can go on after the race and I'll be fine. But right now my nerves are up. This isn't healthy for me. And I think that maybe is the personal responsibility piece in it. Yeah. To
2: add onto that, which I think is a really good point along with personal responsibility. uh, I oftentimes will like, like mute, even my friends or teammates or posts that really make it easy for me to compare to people that are directly, I'm directly competitive with on a regular basis. Uh, In order to maintain those like in-person relationships and my own mental health, like I sometimes find it easier to mute people for a time or for how long I need to. And honestly, that has just only had positive effects on me because then I can see the person for being their person, not their Instagram self, and actually get to connect with them on a deeper level without like, yeah, I don't know, that painful side at times when like you are vulnerable, like when you're scrolling, you're usually in, in a vulnerable place <laughs> more often than not. So that's that's kind of been a strategy, not not really answering the question, but I thought that was kind of important for Hannah to, yeah. in terms of self-governance. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, last kind of bigger topic I wanna to get into is just um, Team team culture and um, competing against you know your your friends or your teammates, um, but at the same time you know especially this season there's a lot of talk about Olympic spots and and who's going to make the Olympic team and those kinds of things. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if you can speak to kind of just learning to celebrate you know whether it's learning to celebrate each other's successes and kind of handling those challenges of competing for the same spots as as your training partners and friends and whether that's kind of changed for you from the time you were trying to make the junior national team to now when, you know, maybe outwardly the stakes are a little higher, but that doesn't necessarily make it easier or harder mentally and emotionally to handle those things.
1: I think you could
2: speak on this really well.
1: Yeah, I feel like my answer is maybe a little too authentic. Um, (laughs) Maybe you don't have to add this if you don't want, but I feel like there's so much expectation on us to take failure with a smile and be appropriate and respectful and celebrate each other and also race really well and have perfect bodies and everything. It's too much. So (laughs) honestly, how I feel is it's not my job to be the number one supporter of someone I'm directly competitive with if they get a spot and I don't. They have an entire support system to celebrate them and I want them to be celebrated, but that is not my job. I can't be mean to them. I shouldn't be judging them. I shouldn't be saying bad things about them to another teammate. That is not what I'm saying, but it is not my job to go up and be their number one fan. They have fans, they have, they have that. And I think that is something that's been pushed and it's fake. This like, we all are just so happy for each other. I am, I respect these people. I've seen how hard they work. I want them to do well. I'm not gonna try to trip them, but to expect me when I have my entire career is put into this, to set that aside and and be expected to celebrate them. And we're expected to do it all the time. Like the media will literally say, how do you feel about this? In your face, like I saw them do it to some swimmers in Tokyo. When um, the younger girl won, oh. they asked the the one who was supposed to win. I should know the names immediately when she finished. How do you feel about her winning? Really, I'm like that is why can't you ask someone else? She's put her life into this, so I don't know if that answer flies with the podcast. But that's that's where I'm.
0: No, I mean that's it's honest, which is what we're <laughs> looking for here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you do you mean that? I one of the, I, I have a follow up question on that. Just um. Do you mean that in terms of like, you're supposed to hide your disappointment and you want to, you want to show that versus just, oh, I'm so happy that this other person won um, or,
1: or yeah, just say yeah, a little bit more about exactly. that. I would like to be able to say, I'm really bummed that I didn't get the spot. I worked really hard. I wanted it, but you got it and I am happy for you. You'd earned it and you should have it, but I wish that I had gotten it. And that's all I should be expected to do. No, 100, I 100%
2: agree with that. Where I think it's, it, it's, gr- it's a pipe dream a little <laughs> bit to expect people that you're directly competing with every single day to, like, when they're struggling, to give everything that they have left into, like, your success. Like, I... I I haven't figured that out and I don't know if I really ever will or even think it's realistic enough to want to. Like Hannah was saying, well, it made me think of is that like Hannah and I have a really unique perspective on this probably because we have grown up in direct competition our whole lives and have really gone through a roller coaster of a friendship because of it in a lot of ways. And I think more importantly, it's for us, you can share differently if you disagree but I think that it's been a lot about learning to like respect their hard work and know that like like I know that Hannah's earned that and at one point in my life I think I definitely like it it was harder for me to be okay with that because I wanted it so bad um it's definitely getting easier and it's a continual journey I think to to lose that spot or that opportunity that you wanted so badly to someone that you even consider a friend or a teammate it's it's never going to be easy i i just like won't believe it if people say that but i think that you can grieve that opportunity or spot in your own way while still being respectful and giving them the kudos where it's deserved
0: yeah Kate, from a, a coach's perspective and, and um, you know, sort of not necessarily having the same, it's not necessarily you that's, you know, either making the spot or not making the spot, but you're working with some of those athletes, whether that is, you know, somebody making a, a world juniors team or a junior national team or or now an Olympic team. Um, what are your your thoughts on kind of helping athletes work through that or, or just maybe a, a team culture um that kind of recognizes those challenges?
3: Yeah, I think a culture of communicating openly is important. And it's so powerfully powerful for me to hear these guys. I mean, we've had some of these conversations, and we've sort of decided as a team, like, I think we talked about it in one team meeting, like it came came up and people were like man can we just like not say that word all that much and and we we turned it completely around and we were like let's just get it out there and and talk about it and it's easier said by me I think I don't want to speak for these guys because I'm not in their shoes um but I guess from from my very little experience as an athlete and just a super competitive person I can totally relate to what these guys are saying and I think it's really authentic and I think the only people that understand this position where these guys are, are, are these guys, like <laughs> not even me. So all I can do is listen and, and try to help. But um, for sure, the thing that resonates with me is we talk about like, you don't have to be good friends, but you do have to be good teammates. And that could seem sort of rosy or cliche, but I believe it. And and I think that's grounded in this idea of mutual respect um, and this respect for hard work. um, And and only these guys know how much hard work and dedication it takes to get to this level. Um, And the same thing to like get to the junior national level and to make u 16 camp, like that's its own level of dedication and hard work. Um, I also, I guess the only other thing as a coach that I truly believe in um, is this sharing of success. And I know that's really, really hard um, in the moment, especially when you're on the wrong side of it. But I think of it as, okay, if a teammate did that, if somebody that close to me did it, if somebody I train with every day did it, like my moment is, could be the next moment, but um, only if you can find a way to manage this low point in a productive way. And, and these guys have to be so resilient and so adaptable on a daily basis. And I mean, sometimes it boggles my mind, like how good they are at it. It's, it's hard. They're in a hard position, no doubt, but I think, yeah, I just try to be supportive and listen.
2: I thought, I thought of one more thing to add to kind of like explain, uh, what it's like to me where it's like if i can't be the one making the heat i want one of my teammates to be there it's not like i don't like i would i would rather it be me but if it can't be me i hope it's you if yeah. that makes sense
1: i really like that it's also like i don't want to beat someone because they're sick or they're injured or they had bad wax but I want to beat them. But I want them to have everything go well and I still beat and everything go well for me and I win. I I don't want anything bad for them. But we are competitors and I think the part that I was trying to get into earlier and this is a little out of order, but I think sometimes the celebrating each other has almost become a competitive personality and we just latch on to anything competitive in sports and so it's like who's the best at celebrating others like that's another thing we can compete in and we already compete in like who can eat the most kale and who is the has the most Instagram followers and like everything's a competition so it almost hits me in that way that this is like another area where there is a way to be the best and who can be the best like celebrator of others is another like ranking system, which is ironic because it's about celebrating others. So I feel like I'm hesitant to that, but I think, yeah, we should want the best for each other and respect each other and create a safe space for everyone. Well
0: said. Thinking back and kind of, just all of these different topics that we have, have covered at this point. Um, you're, you're speaking from a, a female athlete perspective. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm curious whether you think that these are different challenges than male athletes face, um, or maybe different experiences with those challenges that athlete, male athletes face. Um, or is it really just something that, you know, is kind of a, a universal
2: thing? That's a good question. Because it seems like a lot of my teammates on the women's team are more open about a lot of these things we've talked about, or at least more willing to talk about it to me uh, than the men's team. But I can't imagine that that like <laughs> female athletes are the only ones struggling with a lot of these issues. like i I think that these are human issues more than gender related issues, so that's kind of my thought on that.
1: Yeah I think it's dangerous to try to speak for their experience. I think the same as Haley that they are having this a similar human experience and if anything it's worse because they're like 20 years behind and being able to talk about body image and this kind of stuff like it's I, it seems to me like part of being a man is showing that you don't care about anything too much, especially negative things. And I find that a little bit sad. And I, I hope that changes with the way we're starting to talk about body image a lot more with women. I hope we start to see it with men too, because there's no way they're not experiencing the same things in some way. Yeah.
0: I think there's a lot of focus on, you know, there there are maybe certain pressures on women um that are, you know, present across outside of athletics also. Um but I certainly think that that you guys are right that it's not necessarily um that doesn't necessarily mean that those pressures are not on men. They might just have more uh more there might just be more focus on them in the space of talking about women. Um do you, in, in thinking about these things, do you think that uh, the presence or absence of, of female coaches and, and kind of having that balance in the in your coaching staff makes a difference in how you're able to work through some of those challenges?
2: I think so. <laughs> I think I think that's a really important thing for. I don't know every every female athlete to feel like they're represented by someone and have someone they can trust that kind of understands the ins and outs and and I don't know something as like simple as your hormone cycle or your period like how that affects you when you're racing like uh to something with more related to body image or like specific competitiveness or team dynamics, I think that's really huge, and having a coach like Kate here has made me feel more comfortable. And I I, I love our male coaches too, and they're, they're great coaches, but there's just something about being able to connect with someone that maybe understands you without totally having to explain everything from scratch in some ways. That's really made me feel
1: safe over here. For me, and I don't know exactly what this speaks to about myself, but having female coaches makes me feel like equally important to male athletes like we're not a sideshow like we are just as important even if a boy would beat me in a ski race like our racing is just as important and I don't know what it is about having female coaches but that makes me feel more valid as an athlete
0: Kate do you have any any thoughts on that from your perspective
3: uh it's interesting i get asked this question a lot (laughs) i am very i am very grateful and honored for sure for the opportunities i've been afforded um i've also always had this perspective that i hope i'm just valued for what i bring as a human being um and who i am as a person um separate from my gender but i also think that I do bring a unique uh, perspective and set of experiences that is um, often not represented in this world. So um, yeah, that that's a thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah, I just try to be myself and do the best that I can, but I also recognize that, I guess being a woman also has an
2: impact.
0: <laughs> As we kind of wrap this up, um... I'm hoping you guys can maybe share something that you're just excited about, whether that is in skiing or out of skiing, whatever, um, just to kind of, I guess, end things on a, a slightly more superficial, lighter note than some of the topics that we've gotten into. And yeah, just give you the opportunity to share something.
2: Okay, I'll go. Oh, I am really excited to graduate in two weeks with a degree in civil engineering
1: Woohoo. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that should be fun. That's super exciting Wow, thank you <laughs> um I'm excited to race i I feel like it's important to say that um that this isn't saying like, I don't want to make racing seem like it's a negative thing because there's pressure and it causes body image and all of these factors. It's still what we do. And it's, it's good to be competitive and want to do well. Um, I think that it shouldn't be negating. It should be ad- adding. So I want to care about myself as a human and I want to have good results and <laughs> I think that those things shouldn't be opposite. They can live in the same world. And I'm, I'm excited to race and have, hopefully have some good races this year. I'm excited for the chaos of racing. Are you? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh,
2: that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Like I am totally fine with you being excited for that.
0: Okay. <laughs> Kate, how about
3: you? Oh man, I'm excited to go take a finished sauna next door. I'm living next door in the apartment and we have these great little saunas in our places. (laughs) So that's probably what I'm most excited about in the moment. But no, for real, I also love chaos and anyone who knows me knows I love to cheer and Ruka is a kick-ass venue and I am just excited to see these guys uh, race.
0: Well, thank you all for your time so much. This was, uh, yeah, really powerful. And, and hopefully the people listening find things that they can relate to and, and uh, get to know you guys a little bit better also.
1: Thank you. Yeah, really good questions. Thanks so much. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Concept2 and the Alberta World Cup for supporting this podcast. To learn more about the Concept2 SkiErg or the Masters World Cup in Canmore, head to our show notes.